We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Welcome into week two of Ted Lasso, our Ted Lasso season recaps, talking about episode two, I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea. Uh, got the band back together. Alex is back. Caroline's back. Uh, great episode breaking down Ted Lasso. I'm just beyond thrilled to be talking about the show again. Um, they are not, don't want to give away too much of the episode, but they are. They're knocking it out of the park. Um, very, very, very pleased with uh, with the results so far. Looking forward to, to really diving in deep on this season. Uh, before we get into it, quick quick housekeeping. I want to shout out new patrons. Shout out Andrew Kinch and Mac Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining up, supporting the show. Um, and, and Mac has joined as a big chill producer level patrons. Uh, they join Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Trees, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zachary, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBow, Dan McFall, Kevin Engelman, Mac Lindsay, and Classic Stadium Fire. That list is getting long, and I am getting more and more out of breath, which is great. Big thanks to them, all the patrons, for supporting this show. Uh, and everyone who has taken either the patron survey, uh, listener survey, or just the listener survey, which is in the show notes of this episode, helping us improve it, that's going to lead to just better episodes, uh, hopefully, with, with some of the feedback that we've been getting so far, a better Patreon experience. So if you haven't yet, if you're a patron, if you're you know just someone listening, supporting the show, please take the survey that applies to you and, and help us make a better product throughout this Ted Lasso season and throughout the, the life of the pod when we get back to movies. Um, and, and like I like I said earlier, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash big screen sports. Support the show, participate a little bit, uh, have some cool perks, so go check that out. Um, with that being said, I, I think, you know, let's dive right in. Uh, really enjoying the, this Ted Lasso season, so let's talk to Caroline, Alex, and talk Ted Lasso Season 3, Episode 2. All right, returning to big screen sports to talk Season 3, Episode 2 of Ted Lasso. It is my co-host, Caroline Darney and Alex McDaniel. Ladies, how are we doing tonight? Woo! Super excited. Actually, like legit super excited. I'm 
stoked to talk about this episode. <laughs> I need to find a different way to cue y'all in. How are we doing tonight? Is so like leaves always leaves this awkward pause, and it's I need we need to find a different way. I need I need a listener to be like, this is how you should bring them in. You know, I've only been doing this for three years. I have nothing. What better. the listener doesn't know is that there there is like a smoke machine though, and and lasers. So that's exciting. It's just you know. You just yeah, that, you just have to be more pointed because if you ask like you're at you know a concert, then right, it's fun like, like we're at a concert. You just have to Cleveland. be like, how are like, we doing? Tonight? Are we doing? <laughs> like, how is your evening going? <laughs> are you exhausted and or struggling with Something. allergies? <laughs> oh my god, I am. We are. <laughs> That's crazy. Open with it. I could open with a specific question like, how are? What do we have for breakfast today, everybody? Just something completely off topic. Just go with that. <laughs> that would work too. Oh, it work. Well, the thing I can ask you before we we get into it: How is the content over it at For the Wind? Lots of Ted Lasso content I have seen. I have read. I yeah, <laughs> I'm so good at this answering questions thing. <laughs> uh, we do have more coming this week because I have a few longer pieces that you know you just get caught up in, and I I don't get to write very much because I'm usually doing you know manager stuff so yeah managing editing yeah managing <laughs> editing um those edits aren't going to manage themselves <laughs> so, but yeah it's ted lasso week i've got some stuff coming this week about nate and his redemption story mm-hmm. and rick goldstein and, and everything else so but we've got a ton of ton of stuff going on march madness and all kinds of stuff yeah, and if you if you're looking for someone that is more awkward at answering questions than we are right now, you can go to the content <laughs> and look at uh, the interview that Hugh Grant did on the red carpet for the Oscars. So yeah, <laughs> we are yeah. ahead of him right now. <laughs> it was like he had never been asked a question before in his life. She was like, "Are you excited to see anyone here at the Oscars?" And he was like, mm, "No." Nah. <laughs> He's just. I did like his joke about his face looking like a scrotum, though. I did. <laughs> That was good. I did laugh at that. Um, side note for the listeners, did my Dungeons and Dragons screener this week. It was pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Pumped. Pumped about I, it. I can't wait. Cannot fun. wait. <laughs> well, everyone go check all that out. And, um, you know, I, Alex, I will say, like, I, I texted you this, but your your piece on Ted Lasso season three was fantastic thank you stellar made me made me emotional in many ways just an excellent piece of writing uh everyone go check that out but thank you as you folks listening to the show know we are here to recap ted lasso we're doing it every week so we got 12 weeks of content of ted lasso content coming at you we'll be as long as the uh as long as the screener gods keep providing, we will be live the same day that the episode goes live. The screener gods do not keep providing, providing we will be live after the episode goes live. But, um, right now, just, the bounty is plentiful. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to play it by ear. We're going to play it by ear. But uh, today we are talking about Ted Lasso season three, episode two. I, I don't know how to read the parentheses. I don't want to go to end parentheses. Chelsea. I didn't. I, I wanted to to express the title how it was written. Uh, news of a top player looking to move to London sends the English clubs into a frenzy. Richmond play their first game back in the Premier League. I I open it up. We we open all these Ted Lasso episodes with kind of an, an opening question. But Caroline, you you were not on our season opener. No. So early thoughts for two episodes into Ted Lasso. How we doing? How we living? They've. I don't. I don't know if it's ever been better. I don't want to be dramatic. 
but I have, (laughs) (laughs) however, (laughs) but I will, uh, I think that it was the scene, the premiere was, you know, we've talked about the pilot before and pilots are difficult. It's not quite the same. So I think as much as I love the pilot, I think the season three premiere was the best premiere episode they've done so far. Um, and part of that is we've had the discussions too about like the pressure that they felt going into season two was huge. And I think that they got a little bit of a slow start in season two, but not like, I think that they did a great job over season two. I love season two. Um, season three man holy shit and that's with even more expectations we don't know if this is the last season there's been all those discussions about maybe it's a spinoff maybe it's not last who knows what's going on um and there was all this pressure to land the plane and they're not there yet we're two episodes into 12 but uh indications are good so far that they've got this thing going the right direction it's a it's the same humor and landing the jokes and the character development and i thought that i would be i am a little bit i am still devastated about keely and roy but yet somehow they've managed to make that what we've got going on so far between the two of them um not as like emotionally damaging as i thought it was gonna be (laughs) like when season two ended i was like my heart i can't take this this is the worst and they've done such a good job so far into it so um yeah i'm in it's it's excellent it i think i've watched the first two episodes a combined like five times now so like three times for the premiere and uh once twice for the second episode so love it yeah i, I mean we're we're looking good right now we're we're Things are looking good, and as, as Mike the Situation Sorrentino once said, if you're looking good, you're feeling good. If you're feeling good, you've got to get good results. Um, we we open these open these episodes up with kind of an icebreaker question or some, some sort of takeaway from the episode. Uh, Alex, did you have a, kind of an opener or something you wanted to kick us off with? Sure. <laughs> Is Jamie hot now? <laughs> okay. Listen. I, I, okay, here's. Wait, I get to tell. So we're saying, is he is he hotter? No, this not season hotter. Than last season? Is he she, hot? She I'm gonna did tell. not have any feelings for this man until he got the <laughs> dumbest haircut. <laughs> <laughs> so, so last night, mind you, I have basically been up since Friday. Like, of course, I've slept, but just not much. And it was very late last night. And Caroline and I were texting about the first episode. It was her first time watching it. And she's like, Jamie's hair is something. And I'm like, can I tell you? (laughs) I've never, he's one of those, like, I can look at a person and understand why people find them attractive, even if I don't, right? So I always knew that about Jamie. I never thought he was ugly or anything like that. It just didn't do it for me. And there's something, (laughs) I was like, I don't know, the hair. It's like, now I find him attractive. Like, I can't explain how my mind works. I just do like he's hot now. And I think part of it too is he, he's got empathy. How do you say it? How does James say it? Empathy? <laughs> empathy. Empathy. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying like, Jamie might be hot now. So Jamie was hot before. Was he? <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. And I I, he's got very strong, like Nick Carter hair going on this season. Oh yeah. Like, oh, and there's well. a, like, like Phil... early albums. Yes. Early. Yes. Albums, like Nick he's Carter about hair. to put on all white, like parachute pants, t-shirt, baggy white overshirt. Um, and stand in front of a like airplane hanger. Like those are the vibes I'm getting from this haircut. Um, and there's something in, I, I want it that it was, way still slaps, by oh, the way. Great song. Um, fantastic song. There's something in Phil Dunster's. I'm pretty sure 
there's a behind the scenes picture of him getting his hair like frosted in one of his like Instagram posts. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. It looks much better in episode two than it's in episode one. He had a weird, like, you know, um, very Nick Carter in the first episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought he was handsome in the first season. Sure. So that's, I, you know, it, I'm just saying. Hey, look, ever to, you know, this is to each their own. Uh, you know, it's good that, um, you know, Alex didn't find Glenn Powell attractive until she saw a toothpick at it. That's true. And I, 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 okay. Again, I have always been able to see why Glenn Powell is attractive. He's traditionally handsome. <laughs> It doesn't mean I was attracted to him. And then the other day for Caroline's birthday, I wanted to make her a fancy video. <laughs> what a as silly. one does. And as one does. And I I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick and I I found this little clip thing and there's he's got a toothpick in his mouth and I'm like, that's it. That's there it is. is. Now Nailed I get it. it. <laughs> well, and toothpick before guy. anyone gets mad in the comments and asks how my best friend has not seen my favorite movie, um, <laughs> she has been waiting for me. Um, and we have realized that the amount of time that we have to like actually sit down and watch a two-hour movie together is difficult. So we're going to pick a day um, soon, day. and we're going to like joint stream it. So don't worry, everybody. I'm on it. I know this fact. It's that was not upsetting to <laughs> Just, me. I'm sure everyone's very concerned right <laughs> I now. I mean, what? <laughs> oh, like immediately st- they stop the podcast before I explain this and like get in the DMs. <laughs> like, unbelievable. What kind of friend are you? Um, I can't wait for that to happen. I can't wait to get all the get all the texts from you guys as you watch the movie <laughs> together. That sounds that sounds wonderful. So, if for listeners who are either new here or only listen to the Ted Lasso episodes, the uh, a category that we did not bring over from our normal movie episodes is the Peter Gallagher Award for the hottest person in this movie. We didn't bring it over because it's a TV show and we basically get the same cast every every week, give or take. And the answer is always Roy Kent. What? Yeah, I, I feel is 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 Brett Goldstein the winner, like the the Ted Lasso winner of this man, episode. In general, man makes me feel things. I don't know, y'all. I'm not <laughs> saying he isn't. First of all, I just want to let's get that on the record. <laughs> Breaking: Alex hates Brett Goldstein. <laughs> Brett Goldstein could get it <laughs> any time of day. <laughs> He could have the dumbest hair in the world. <laughs> yeah. Except he has the same hair all the time. I know. But... We love consistency. But like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I, but I'm not liking, of course, Brett objectively is hot. Roy Kent, at this point in the season, he's a little annoying. So because, well, I don't mean annoying like he's poorly written. What I mean is he's his character is being annoying because clearly he has broken up with Keely because you leave before you get left yeah. clear. And that's not a spoiler. Yeah. That's like, that's what we take away from this episode. It, the theme of the episode. The theme of the episode yes. is, you know, quit before you get fired. And that bothers me. Cause it's like, you fool. <laughs> he's so, you know, but yeah, he's, he's hot, but I, well, we won't get, I, I will tell you what, I mean, obviously I think Jason today, is a handsome, handsome devil. Um, when he like cleaned himself up after Henry left from the first episode and stepped out of his apartment, that was maybe the best he's looked in this entire but show. I know we're talking about episode two, but can we bring up the fact that they reused a clip from Ep one, from like the pilot in Ep one? They reused the shower footage for that little. Is montage. it the same? Same. It is the same footage. Listen, if there's anyone who can appreciate like being thrifty and saving time, it's me, so good on them. <laughs> oh, it's not a criticism. I was just like, because when you first see it, because he's talking to Sharon about 
you know, when I first moved here, blah, blah, blah. And you see that clip. And my first thought is, oh, they're doing like a review montage. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know. anyway, going on. We have completely derailed you, Kyle. Sorry. (laughs) No, I mean, so I I think we should just kind of talk about just the general theme of that episode then, since we brought it up, is the, the Roy. And I think that flashes back to what he says. I believe it's in the season finale of season two when he's talking about Keely's shoot and Vanity Fair or whatever it is. And he's like, she looked great. She didn't need me. And like that, that hurt. And it, this seems like this is the the decision that he made based on those feelings of Keely doesn't need me. I don't want to get I don't want to get left behind. Like it seems like that's where we're at with Roy, unless we are to find out something more diabolical about this breakup, which I think would be weird if we did. I don't I don't think that that would be. I don't think it would be anything much more than that. No, I don't. Th- and I mean, it's ties into two, like it's the fear of being left behind. And, and he is going through both. We're going through career changes, right. But in, in dramatically different ways in which he was going from being the star to like having to shift to kind of like backseat types of, I mean, being a coach is still front and center, that sort of thing. But now you have also the they've talked already about his concerns about not being the tactical mind that like Nate was. And when Nate left, like Roy has to fill some of that. And she says, she has a comment in the, I think it's the first, yeah, it's the first episode when they're doing the breakup chat with Phoebe. And and she says, I know that you're worried about that. Um, whereas she's growing and blooming and starting something new and becoming that superstar in her field. And so it, it's this feeling from Roy of this, not feeling good enough to go along with her and that like you're right ties into the photo shoot from last season and it was how he felt about Chelsea (laughs) um that we learned like you know rather than just accept the I'm getting older and this is going to have to end sometime pro sport decline and as he said have fun with it um or enjoy it like he left and tried to find a place that wasn't quite the same level as Chelsea when it comes to like competitiveness or um, acclaim or attention or whatever in Richmond. Um, but I do love when Ted puts his hand, chin on his hand. He's like, but then we never would have met. And, like bats <laughs> his eyes on him. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I, I mean, I hate where seeing where I go through it. It makes me sad. Should give him a hug. Yeah, Alex, where are you at on we we've got two episodes down of of digesting the the Roy and Keeley breakup, but in this episode, I think. The only new information we get is Roy insisting that he broke up with her and him talking about, like Caroline said, leaving Chelsea, which is the, I'm talking about this, but I also, I'm talking about this. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about the title of the episode is it's also an Elvis Costello song um, that, which I'm sure we have listeners who are much more well-versed than I am, but. Generally speaking, this song was inspired by the fact that like the Chelsea he knew um, in his youth, you know, like taking trips with his father and everything that it had become something that was, you know, unattainable. It had become richer. It didn't have kind of the the coolness totally that it did before. Um, that's a very generalized way of saying that. And so, you know, sometimes a song is just a song and sometimes like a song title is just great for an episode. So I'm not saying we need to like look into the deeper meaning here. I just think like it's interesting because Roy left Chelsea thinking, you know, he was shocked that people were sad. He left because he knew that it was ending. He was getting older. It wasn't going to work. And then he comes back only to find out like they loved him. 
they still loved him. Like they loved him as he was. And that was kind of his realization. He didn't want to go. And he went expecting to find one thing and he found something else and helped him kind of put things in perspective, I think. But it's it goes beyond Keely too. Like everything they do on this show when it comes to kind of shocking developments, I always look at it as a mirror of like, they need a way to expose this person's struggle or to expose their healing process. And I think, you know, there are a few ways to do that with Roy because he doesn't have like the ego issues that Jamie has. He doesn't have the profound insecurity like Nate does. How do you do it? You break him and Keely up and you dig into the reasons why and you see like what's going on with Roy that would even make that seem reasonable. It's amazing how they keep pulling back layers of these characters and we keep learning more and more and more. And I think we did a lot more we got a lot more of this with Ted, obviously, I think in season two, where we started learning a little bit more about his past and, and what has motivated him, why he is the way he is in a lot of ways. And Roy was Roy was still a, a pretty big mystery, honestly. Like we didn't know a whole lot about him besides we knew he was a you know, uh a big time player in the Premier League when he was younger. Yeah. Uh we knew he we knew he dated Gina Gershon once. We knew that. <laughs> we knew he went away we uh, he went away when he was nine. When he was nine. And other than that, we haven't really found out a lot about what entirely makes him tick besides loving loving the sport. So th- this was an interesting reveal. Um I wanna get into the best scene or pick the best scene of this episode. I'll kind of I'll just run through there were there were a lot, but for me, there were two that really stood out. Um, we opened Jamie asking Roy about the breakup is nice because like imagine these two characters having this conversation in season one. Oh, yeah. yeah, it just just un- unthinkable. And then having William Kitman there, like we should all go get drinks, fish bowls, <laughs> fish bowls. <laughs> um, it also I think can even go back to like how they found out because Isaac doing the whole like who told where he's like who told you he's like it's not who bruv it's what kinesics like whatever and he goes science mate like all that stuff he's like look how he's standing he's like the clenched butt is hilarious because you get the like he's doing the lean yeah hey loose hey loose loose. um so that whole scene is it's called empathy he's like sorry i forgot i forgot old people got so skittish because of the war i know that was such a good line oh my god i mean even the fact that he said like um you went too too fast for the hug and it was like the slowest motion ever it was like a hey, get in here type thing oh it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect uh the locker room when it's the the sh- the sh- multiple shocks with the Roy and Keeley breakup the news about Zava why the fuck would Zava write a book on Shrink Grim <laughs> <laughs> when they all go Aww. when when Roy comes in also right great beards uh beard screams yes kill me i don't I don't want to give away my pick for the laughing liam award too early but it's beard in this episode fucking kills me yeah oh the run back in, so i mean that whole oh my god the whole sequence where it's like he calls will over to ask him to get his breakup cd which we need by the way like and then will goes, they will release it they better they better they did with Roy's playlist last year I know which is amazing um Will goes what's the CD and he goes oh boy and then Beard said he's on it he throws the keys he's as he's still walking away never turns around I've got a set you hear the keys hit the ground and then it comes into the like I broke up with her and then he screams in the other door and goes (laughs) what 
I think the keys are going to be important down the line, by the way. It was such a yeah it was just a very weird moment that wasn't part of like a punchline because it's not to say that every moment is meant to mean something deeper but it usually clicks in and has a purpose it was a funny moment sure like coach you're gonna need my keys but it just the way that it was presented it just stuck it stood out to me as like he's got a set I don't know why I think that's gonna come in later but I do uh, let's everyone, everyone listening at home. Let's let's add that one <laughs> to the board. Al- Alex has Alex has a prediction. Alex has a theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, the courtship of Rebecca and Rupert, which I thought was really interesting, and makes you hate Rupert even more. Which, like, you know, the, like we needed another reason, but it does. But it, it explains the hurt even even more. Like the how how he pursued her and how this eventually came to be and how she felt about him when she finally agreed to his date. And then thinking back on how their marriage ended and what I'm sure she must have been thinking at the time is like it, it just it clued us so much in and then also keyed Rebecca into doing one of the more badass things she's done since uh since the show started, which I love. What's loved. the opposite of sweet talk? Sour yell. <laughs> Sour yell. Yeah, that's what I did. I, can yeah. I tell you, can I share something something about me? I hate um, peeing scenes. I hate it. Just really? sound, sound really, bu- so that, the two mundane things that I really could do without forever and ever, um, the sound of a guy peeing in a scene, and um, I cannot... For some reason, I can't handle watching men shave. Like, I, there's something that it just stresses me out about the whole like blades around the neck thing. And so, anytime there's like a shaving scene, I'm always like, I don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> but so wow. that whole time, I was like, I was like, I need him to stop peeing like right now. I can't. I cannot. So do this. the first Austin Powers must be a nightmare for you. Horrible. I was gonna say that Horrible. one. It's it's the it's the uh, the splashback, right? So yeah, like, it's the. Ugh. I don't mind it in a urinal, but like when it's in a toilet, like when the, I can't. Yeah. And it's the, um, I think there's one in the hangover too. Like when he first gets up and like goes into the bath after the night of a. Yeah. yeah, He goes goes into the bathroom, the tiger's in there. Yeah. That also ties in with him like peeing on the floor part, which also upsets me, but yeah. So think about, you know, when we look at Rebecca's, you know, finally opening up, because I think that's something a lot of us are curious about. It's like, how'd you meet to begin with? And I can't remember who I said this to. It might have been either or both of you. The, you know, I think based on what little we knew about both of them, obviously Rebecca, very refined, very sophisticated. We know she comes from an affluent background. Um, clearly she's no fool just because she had never run a club before this, like very intelligent, um, which I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just mean like kind of like what we assumed about her. Like I would have thought she went to Oxford or Cambridge and they yeah. met in these social circles like they were both kind of known for something and they got married and then you find out um you know she's had a very normal background she's working as a bartender at a club and like first of all it's a very vulnerable moment for her to open up but of course she would do that with keely she wouldn't do that with anybody else um and it's almost shocking because it's like hard to imagine rupert putting in the work until you realize like his whole thing is going after what doesn't want him yeah and we also have to remember he did not leave Rebecca. She left him. 
Like he he was content with them having a marriage where he just cheated on her all the time because it's the chase that he wanted. He didn't necessarily want to settle down and marry somebody else. He was cool with it being the way it was, having Rebecca as his arm candy and then cheating on her. And so I I just love that little glimpse into like, can you imagine, can you just imagine like partying with Rebecca, like being friends with Rebecca in her 20s and 30s? My God, it would be amazing. 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 And it just shows like she's normal in terms of she's still, you know, obviously came from privilege and everything else, but there's always been qualities about her. That's like, man, she'd just be so cool. Like mm-hmm. drinking champagne out of the bottle. Let's... Dude, I would want to, I would want to borrow that pink jacket from the first episode. Yeah. That thing was not to keep talking about episode one. Well, really all of her clothes, but that pink long jacket was just gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> That's how I talk now. That's true. <laughs> it's the allergies. <laughs> Uh, the last two scenes I had were, for me, the best two scenes in this episode. Uh, it is Roy and Trent in the shower, the pulling the clipping out of the wallet, the <laughs> the nearly 20-year-old clipping, I'd assume, and the, I was 17 years old. This fucking wrecked me. And then that kind of goes into, I guess, like the 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 cohort of that scene is then after the game they're back in richmond and roy's story about leaving chelsea that you guys talked about earlier when he says yeah that was the first time ever i thought i can't keep up anymore mm-hmm. part of me thinks that maybe i should have been i should have stayed and just fucking enjoyed myself but that's not who i am i guess double meaning oh yeah i mean that's clearly about relationship stuff too but um the shower scene, which sounds so funny to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> when Roy um, and Trent Krim are in the shower together. <laughs> yeah. The entire thing is just fantastic from Ted referencing Hallmark movies, which I'm sure we will get into, uh, to him saying like, you, Hey, I need you to order off the vegan menu and squash this beef. Um, to hearing why because we didn't i you know like i've thought back about it i was like yeah we actually never found out why roy hates him so much and the ability of trying to be like i was an idiot trying to make a name for myself and i found every possible negative thing that i could to you know about people that i wrote about and i think there's probably everyone listening to this or on this have read things by people that probably take the same tactic and like i what we would expect trent Krim was maybe 22 and Roy was 17 you know and he's like some edgy new journalist trying to you know think that by saying you know that is this prodigy's um your disappointment yeah like you know that his his first showing was a, was a mess is gonna get him on the map and I thought it was such a also it involved the I jumped when he yelled crim <laughs> the Krim drum- jumping was great and then Jamie doing the like you have to admit it's pretty great when it's not at you type thing he's like it's pretty fun funny I think he said funny <laughs> nailed it I know you guys just thought Jamie was on the pod just now so <laughs> <laughs> Bill Duster what are you doing Bill Duster here? what are you doing here? <laughs> eh, it's fun <laughs> you know what it made me think of actually was in um in season two episode uh five I think it was rainbow episode five I think um that I drafted in the Ted Lasso episode draft. Let's not forget. <laughs> he is, they ask him the question about the 17 year old making his debut in, in the Premier League. And that's kind of what sets him off of, of walking up the set and wanting to be a coach. But instead of being 
critical of this kid. He what does he say? Probably have fish and chips for bed, fish and chips for dinner, and a wank before bed. Like he doesn't, he doesn't rip into the kid. And it's how interesting thinking about Roy was that kid. And I, I don't think that's an accident. Them being the same age when they when they wrote this. Empathetic. You know, and again, like there are so many wonderful people in the industry that I work in. So I'm really not bashing sports media as a whole, but as somebody who came from news and entertainment journalism and kind of stumbled into sports journalism, it's astounding to me how, how infiltrated it is by people who truly are here just to make a name for themselves by having opinions. And we see that on TV all the time, right? So we have our take people that we just, okay, fine. But even people at the local level, even people who just, you know, it's wild because they do the work. They cover the shitty high school football games. I'm sure your team's not shitty, but it's a <laughs> shitty assignment. Um, they grind for years just so they can one day get to the point of like, that kid's a piece of shit. <laughs> or like, there's this, uh, I can never remember his name. He's a writer in uh, Central Florida. I know if anybody here listens and they're a Mississippi State or Nolmas fan, they're going to know who it is. Every year, he writes something like some sort of argument for why Ole Miss and Mississippi State shouldn't be in the SEC. And people, <laughs> people take the bait every year and it causes fights and everything. And look, I know, like, I know the problems. I work in it. I'm aware. But like, they're not exaggerating on Lasso when they're like, fuck pundits, first of all. And even I just love the attention they're paying to journalism in general, because even if you look at Nate's press conference, you can tell how satisfied some of those journalists are that he's given them the quotes that they want. And yeah. it's it's just really interesting that the shower scene kind of broke my heart because, you know, like Trent, if he remembered that, it's only because it was Roy. Because I'm telling you, like, I can't remember things I wrote a year ago. <laughs> like, I'm not exactly out there bashing, you know, kids. But, like, if somebody came up to me with something I wrote when I was 22, I'm like, I have no recollection of who that person is. And yeah. he's been carrying it in his wallet, which obviously metaphorically he's carrying it too, the things we carry with us, right? For years, it's just, it is so accurate. And anybody who says sports journalism is not really like that is wrong. It's not all like that, but yeah. it's very much like that, no matter where you are. Yeah, it's, ugh, it just, yeah, I agree with all that. And it's, the, um, <laughs> I just, I think about sometimes when it's like, I've had athletes or parents or someone, or, you know, this stuff people say, and it doesn't have to be just be journalists, but obviously this is what we're talking about here, but like, these are still humans that you're talking about. Like, and there's a way to, and this is not to say, don't ever say, critical things of someone sure. playing a sport because that's not at all the case but there are there's differences between what Trent Krim wrote and you know it was a tough outing for 17 year old you know sensation Roy Kent but blah 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 like there's other ways to frame things in how you present that stuff and I think that's where um that gets lost and there's always this feeling sometimes always this feeling sometimes look i'm a writer and i'm good at it i know words <laughs> uh there's some folks that think it's not really worth writing if or that assume that anything positive especially when you get into beats is considered like cheerleading and like i i have a serious problem with that on a few levels but like the only stories that exist aren't just ones where you're critical of someone or tearing something down and being critical of someone doesn't make you right. Being critical of someone. And like I said, there's a way to do it, but being negative isn't always 
doesn't make you right if someone says like you know his his upside was was evident even in a game that featured xyz turnovers and a miscue in the defense but you can see that and someone would be like oh you just want him to be good because blah, 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 like you're such a whole, like all that stuff it's just nonsense and it's there's a there's a fine line between how you know i mean i remember after I'm not mad about it. It's fine. Um, I remember <laughs> after Virginia lost to UMBC in the NCAA tournament in 2018, like I think it was Pat Forty or someone was like, the entire program is built on a throne of lies. Like what a fraud it is, and like all this stuff, and like seemed a little extreme <laughs> at the time. Um, and then they won a national championship the next year. So you know, indeed whatever. they did. It's it's when it's when criticism is is built on a base of cruelty. I think is yeah. when when. Yeah. Yes. things get you know think uh mir and fader just wrote an a, incredible piece on greg odin for the ringer and a lot of it, it dove into a little bit a lot of the vitriol he faced after you know like anyone like this goes to any little league kid who has ever struck out all the way to greg odin whose career didn't pan out the way he wanted like that no one knows better than that person that things didn't go well. 17-year-old Roy Kent probably knew that his debut didn't go as he wanted. And to pile on and, and make it sound personal or make it sound cruel is just like you're you're doing nothing. You're you're just you're just trying to make someone feel bad instead of evaluating a scenario. Well and it ties in I mean, Roy tells the whole story in um two aces which was my episode at the draft there's too many ghosts about <laughs> being nine and going away and like this has literally been his entire life he spent time away from family he's missed the death of his beloved grandfather like all of these things only to have his first performance one not go how he wanted and two then get something written in the local in the national paper or whatever local paper i don't know what trent, where trent crew was writing at the time um about how horrible he played and how like what a fraud he is as a you know and and so it's it was a very it was a very well done scene it's one of my favorite scenes of the episode um Roy's perfect every single thing I swear to god like this this character is like one of my favorite characters in television recently were there any other scenes that stood above that one for you um (laughs) let's see I really did like the entire um uh locker room scene like you said like the whole thing with the confusion (laughs) and beard screaming and running in and out um i did well those were more just the jokes any of uh uh higgins (laughs) sources are my favorite (laughs) (laughs) also did we catch that zava has an avocado farm if that's not called avocados like i'm (laughs) not watching the show anymore ever again so so i i texted uh alex i think i texted you this he's got to be based on uh zlatan ibrahimovic like that's got to be him right yeah inspired by inspired by (laughs) like that that is him they have the same like same hair zava zlatan zlat i I can't yeah gotta be him yeah the show it does that really well where like they clearly like develop these characters and even just develop some of their attributes later on based on feel from real life. I really like it. But um, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to not mention, I think this was Christo Fernandez, that Fernandez's best episode. Oh, he was He's so good. funnier God. than ever. He was He's, so good. I mean, fuck you, Trent Cream. <laughs> Trent Cream. Trent Cream. Go fuck yourself, Trent Cream. 
Which he- also, like going back to the journalism thing, I've forgiven Trent and I'm on board and I think he and Rebecca are going to bang. <gasps> oh, There's- folks, put another one. Put another put prediction another on the board. board. <laughs> um, and okay, first of all, I believe I said this last season. I didn't have like evidence, but I was like, I could see that happening. Like I could just see them getting together. You know, obviously the ethics are a little murky. It's <laughs> the show. Um, it's certainly better than him being a newspaper journalist, but still um, a few things. Remember, we know he has a daughter, but he doesn't wear a wedding ring. Um, go back and watch the scene where he looks at her and says, so you're willing to spend money you don't have on a player just because your ex-husband might want him. And she says, yes. And he, what does he say? Like, I like that or something. Look at the look she gives him. That is more than just Rebecca sassy. That is like, it's kind of a up and down look situation. It's like, and you know, we got Amsterdam coming this season, which we can get to that later, but I do want to talk about Amsterdam before we leave this episode. I'm just saying that's, I I think they're going to, maybe they won't be together forever, but I, they would be great together. I'm feeling Trent this season. I am too. He's very attractive. <laughs> Two weeks ago, you were like <laughs> so anti Trent Grimm. Was ready when to we leave did the episode the draft. I'm into it now. <laughs> I've had some time to reconsider. <laughs> like you're gonna have to do a super cut when we finish season three. Just go back to like season one, everything I said, and just find where I've directly contradicted. <laughs> I just, I think it could work. That's all I'm saying. Oh, man. Can we go back to Danny for a second? Yes. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump <laughs> No, no, you're good. No, you're good. That was a wonderful journey we just went on. I loved it dearly. <laughs> um, the, one of my favorite moments this episode is Ted's alarm going off for 11-11 where they make a wish and he's like, what did you wish for? He's like, I can't tell you. You know this. Like, he's like, I just want to make sure they don't cancel each other out. It doesn't work that way. And when he comes in and they have the whole miscommunication, he's like, is this about Zava? <laughs> Danny's like, I just wished for that 30 seconds ago. I know. I'm telling so you. Danny great. also has an 11-11. And then his whole, this, I scored with my face. And even in the locker room where he was like, it was not on purpose. It hit me in the face. <laughs> and then after, after the gate, after he scores, do you think Zava saw? Um, he's just perfect in this episode this hair speaking of hair hair is flawless he's got a lot of great flow we got to get mike on to hear like what it's like in person because when he took a picture with perso at that party i was like sir what did he smell like when he took a picture with everyone at that party yes i had a lot of questions um so laughing liam award for the funniest character in the episode, I feel like it is between Danny and Beard. Ooh. Are there any other any other claims there? I think Beard is so consistent. And so, like, he is funny every episode. And we kind of take him for granted. I mean, I love that we have Jane back. Where he's like... Um, Sleep, you can't the come. sleepwalking thing? Yeah, you do sleepwalk. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, period. <laughs> and then the thing about uh, she's still threatened by our relationship. <laughs> it's just... He's very good. And I'm glad that, I mean, obviously Brendan's a co-creator, so it's not like there are people, you know, stopping him or telling he, he can do what he wants, but he's very consistent. And then when Ted's reading um, the inverted pyramid, the, you know, and he's just very cautious. He's like, do you like it? <laughs> Is there anything in there? you learn? It's, it's funny. I love him. I've got to tell you, I think I laughed the hardest at the Hallmark scene. 
Did you? I think I, I did. did because I was just so tickled that it was because I thought it was just going to be the reference to sure. like we're so inoffensive. We're like a Hallmark movie out there, which was a great line. Like that's a fantastic line. Yeah. Um, And then the first thing, the first thing that Roy says to him when he's like, Roy, I need to talk to you. Like when they go back into the shower is he goes what the fuck is a hallmark christmas movie <laughs> as if that's what he took him back there to discuss <laughs> and then he does the it has the whole thing about squashing the beef with trying and that's a really great line too because your ego is gonna you know like ruin not just a, more things than just a soccer, football game football match but he goes in hallmark hallmark christmas movies are films that feature women from the big city falling in love with their childhood crushes it's usually some fella that owns a christmas tree farm sometimes he's also santa claus or a prince that's the one that i missed the first time because i was laughing too hard at the christmas tree farm joke or a prince killed me he goes they suck but they're great but they do also mostly suck they're also kind of great <laughs> you should watch them with the sound off yeah it was i just absolutely and that's something that is specific to both like me and alex like that was a very i know i was hearing like- Oh. They read our diary. Yes. <laughs> Hearing Jason Sudeikis say our thoughts. Like it's the hottest thing I've ever seen. This year is the I year. Was we will, I was like, we will do Whoa. one on the pod. We will do a Hallmark oh Christmas God. movie on the pod. Oh, I just a Ted Lasso so Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, oh my God. I mean, I they wouldn't be able to. But also they're really good. But they suck. And he's like whispering all of it. Is that the best joke of the episode? Funniest one-liner under the radar joke? Oh, best joke? I think I've already uh, I, mentioned everything. I beard screams. Oh, uh, I mean, fuck off, nope. Trent Cream. No, nope, hold on. We missed the best. Maybe this is underrated. I don't know which one this falls into. But when he's talking about, they're talking about Zava, and he has no idea what they're talking about. And they say he's an Italian player from Juventus. It goes, catch, catch you later, Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, for me. God. The under the radar line I like, and I am so mad that I can't remember his name. It's the um, commentator with Arlo. What's his name? Chris. Like, Isn't it Chris? Chris. <laughs> Chris. Just Chris. When Ar- Arlo asks him, have you ever scored with your face? And he said, I've scored with every part of my body, Arlo. That's a ridiculous question. <laughs> that was also excellent. Um, the whole like the fumes make me dizzy and I overshare um about the different manicurists and then she goes please don't print that and then Ted does the whole thing he's like if you're talking skittles though no thank you dye gets all over your hands it makes them all sticky and that you can print (laughs) that was great yeah I liked the deadpan delivery on that and you know we've also like over and I'm not gonna say we overlooked maybe Kyle had this ready to go but like the whole Keely storyline that's continuing to develop and now she's just hired her friend wait this is episode two right yes yes something. no you're okay. shandy, shandy. <laughs> it's like oh no because <laughs> y'all got really quiet i was like shit i messed it up um yeah there wasn't really a funniest line there but i just wanted to remind everyone that existed <laughs> shandy as a person is hilarious yeah um oh okay this was also goes back danny my danny gets my funniest because he also said i haven't been this nervous to play in front of someone since playing in el chapo's youth league yeah <laughs> He was great. Yeah, he's both for under the radar joke or best joke or I, I don't know what we're doing with that category. It's just the thing that made you laugh. And then funniest laughing Liam, like funniest character. Danny had a hell of an episode. Uh, yeah. I'm very happy for him. Let's take a quick ad break and then we'll we'll get back with some more categories. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, okay, we're back. Uh, the Rupert Award for uh, the villain of this episode. Now, when I had originally thought about this category, I said it's it, it's not Rupert because Rupert's just always a villain. But God damn, is he bad in God, this episode. Man, he, he is, is the worst. A, a monster. Um, yes. The only other person that I had, and for nothing they did in this episode, but Arlo White calls uh, Live Golf. And so uh going to say that's a big thumbs down <laughs> for me, sir. Out on that. I didn't uh, know that. Out Damn. on out on sports washing uh, for a murderous regime. You can in that you can print. Um, but yeah, Rupert in this episode is a <laughs> fucking <laughs> monster. He is there when is they talk in the hallway. Awful. He is one of the he is one of my least favorite TV characters. Like I, I think the, the actor I think uh, Anthony Head I think is his name. I think yes. he does an incredible job. But oh, he's a oh, yeah. monster. He's great at sucking. I mean, but he's perfect for that, right? Like they need somebody who can sustain. They need somebody who appears irredeemable, right? So, okay, I think this one might actually be, despite all of our. What if by the end of this series Jamie we're just and like Trent and Rupert? What a doll! <laughs> I know. I I so here's what I think is gonna and again, <laughs> it's just put me, it on the board. <laughs> me being a pundit, but uh. I don't think, obviously, he's not going to get a redemption story. He hasn't earned that, but he hasn't earned that loyalty from the audience. I think at least they'll end it with some indication that he acknowledges being terrible. I I really do think that. Like he, I think there should be some turn on his end. I don't think it's going to be a full, I see, you know, all the things I did. But I do think like he'll get what's coming to him. But instead of him, this back and forth of him just trying to like be vengeful and trying to always have the upper hand, I think it'll it'll change him. I think uh, what should be coming to him is Roy Roy's forehead through his fucking skull. <laughs> <laughs> so eloquently put it in this episode. What if the because show the ends with, with him getting <laughs> mugged by Jamie Tart's dad and his friends? Bug, <laughs> bug, no, bug, bug. It's just, why did they call him because he's small? He's like no, because he eats bugs for money. <laughs> um <laughs> i just watched that episode yesterday um the thing with him is he's not just cruel but it's just like so effortless it's one of those people that you interact with and that's when you get home and you're like oh i should have said this and all of a sudden it's just like way too late because the even the subtlety of introducing her as his ex-wife like bruh bruv like absolutely not and just all of it is so 
the he's a tor- terrible sports fan by the way mr jump ship and change change teams and he's like oh i just you know got bored of that one like everything is just has to be a dig into their relationship for her and it's just he's masterful at it like ugh. oh makes me so mad he's terrible um i don't know like what did i say last episode it was nate's and it was nate's dad didn't i say it was nate's dad is it in and rebecca's like unwillingness to heal the damage rupert did or try to do the work to do that because clearly she's consumed by it this year and it's gonna mess everybody yes. up not that it'll all be on her i mean people are responsible for themselves so this episode though i'm glad to see her like sort of rise above it a little but it's like still her greatest moments aren't because she's trying to do it for the right thing for the club she's doing it because rupert is motivating her you know and so i realize he's ineligible but i think like so much of the damage he's caused to her and her belief that she can handle it on her own and not get any sort of not do anything to try to overcome that like i think it's gonna lead to a lot of bad moments for the team and for ted and everybody else rupert the god can i ask a question real relatedly unrelated why do you think everyone else so higgins keely and rebecca were so anti the book and ted actually said yes i just think it's a bad idea to have a journalist that close i think that was yeah, I, I think I, that I kinda, was sorry thing. i guess i kind of picked that part up but why do you think ted said yes because it's Ted's Ted. too genuine ted isn't gonna crush trent crim's dreams that's the thing <laughs> He would give him a fair shot and he knows they have a rapport, right? So if it was a random journalist, I don't think he would do it. But I think, yeah, it's classic Ted. Obviously, like they're cool with it. But no, why would you want a journalist being just being in that meeting? Just like Rebecca suddenly, you know, changing her mind and being like, actually. And like they trust him way too much. I'm not saying he's devious at all. Um but like even the conversations they've had, like if he were a true, true journalist who just had were privy to that, all that shit would be online. Like he'd get his permission would be revoked after that. But yeah. I feel like they're already kind of loose lipped, but that's part of it, you know. Um, one thing so Trent Krim hears the the initial discussions on if they should sign Zava and getting to the on the pitch, like talking the actual sports category. This is something that Alex, you pointed out that I kind of predicted in the last episode, or at least hinted at is if they are going to have Richmond be a legitimate foe to West Ham change, they need to acquire a player or do something or because yep. teams that get promoted often get relegated right away. And this is a trope that always works for me in sports movies. Let's find a new star Gifted by the yep. gods player, <laughs> and blood. he changes everything, and he makes you suddenly competitive. Fucking works for me every time it's done in a sports movie. I love it every single time. No notes. So we've we've got Zava. De- Devin Sawa just exactly. moved into the neighborhood. Exactly. We've we've got Zava, <laughs> and and we've also got Jamie, who is not not feeling it. Fine. Not feeling it. <laughs> I know. He's not vibing with this. But in a very like vulnerable and secure way, which I can yeah. appreciate. Like season one, Jamie would have immediately been so aggressive about it. This Jamie's just sad. <laughs> he's just like, he's trying to brush it off and like trying to, but I think like he's going through what Roy went through at Chelsea where he feels like, oh my God, I can't 
Like it's I'm the cool. best thing this team has at the end of the day. It's and if, and if I'm suddenly second place, because he had nowhere else to go after. Why do I always want to call it like love escape or love? I, less, less conquers less, all. Less, less conquers all. Milf less manner. conquers all. Milk Manor, when Jamie was on Milk Manor and he left and like he ended up back at Richmond because he had nowhere to go. And there was comfort in knowing even if Richmond is 20th, he's still the best on the, and now it's like, am I going to be irrelevant? Mm -hmm. So. Um, the, I don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that is award, which character showed the most personal growth in this episode. Roy, I think, I think it took a lot to get it out of him. Like he's still, that's where we still get some season one Roy in that sense. But I think the conversation, um, that he had with Trent Krim was, um, important for him because it also, well, both conversations that he had with Trent Krim, the one then in the shower and then the one, um, about, leaving Chelsea because he felt like you know the leave before you quit before you can get fired which also is the um obvious comparison to his relationship with Keely um I think I just love him so much I just watched the episodes I'm like love him love him he's perfect love him every grunt every every scene is the best every grunt speaking of Keely Alex how do we feel about (laughs) Keely's growth as in running her own company so one thing in rewatching episode two because i was really you know i know last episode when we were talking about the premiere episode last episode of this podcast we were talking about the premiere episode of the show um i was saying like good on keely because there's no doubt in my mind the breakup with roy destroyed her and she's putting on a brave face and we see her break down crying and i don't think that's just because she's so busy all the time but she for years has been in environments where everyone loves her and wants to be around her and is attracted to her. And, um, everything is fun because she's there and it's a lot, it's really a lot of fun to think about managing people and to run your own company. But then there's the reality of like, you got to get stuff done and there are bills and you can't spend $200 a week on flowers. You absolutely cannot. (laughs) Like there are sometimes staff members, who are excellent employees, they don't want to be your friend and they don't want to have picnics in the conference room. Now, I think there are certainly team building things that you can do because there's definitely a disconnect, right? There is like the CFO that, you know, the VC sent in as like, she's got it. What's her name? Barbara. She's got to to manage things, but clearly people are, are put there. That's why investors do this to make sure stuff gets done. Because if Keely had to hire that whole office and it's nothing against her, she's never done that before. She's never run her own company. You know, she even needs the guardrails and I yeah. love Keely, but she need like, she needs Barbara in her life because she needs someone that, and someone who's done it before is difficult. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. That you can't and- spend 200, 200 pounds a week. That is so, you can get flowers for so much cheaper, Keely. <laughs> And like, I love the CFO because I just, I love any character that's got to like ground someone into reality. And like, Healy's obviously not a villain and she means well, but you have to have somebody that's like, you want this business to exist in a year. We've got to consistently make money. And so, um, but what I really appreciated, because I think it's not that I think Healy's a pushover at all, but I think we already see some progression. Like when she hires Shandy, there are probably many reasons why she shouldn't have, but she did. And it was her decision. And there we go. And when the CFO and Barbara just does act rude to her, like that's a conversation she could have had with Keely separately and said, like, I don't think this is a good idea, but she did in front of her. 
I really appreciated Keely going in there and just saying, you cannot speak to people like that around here. That's not how this is going to work. So I think she's learning, right? It's hard to do these things and it takes more than girl boss culture, which I hate um, because I think it's, it's really, I think it's led a lot of women in our generation down a terrible path to say like, all you need is like pink accessories and yeah. the willingness to quit your job and, and just make videos and you'll be successful. And you see a lot of people really mess up their careers that way. But I think, um, you know, obviously Keely's got a lot of growth to do and she eventually wants to end up like Rebecca and she admires her and wants to do that. So, you know, I think we will see that play out soon, but I did like the moment where Keely instinctively did the human thing where she wanted to yell at Barbara, sees her snow globes. It's like, that's actually very charming. <laughs> and like, I feel like I can talk to you as a person now. And it's clear um, that that's because barbara has had barbara doesn't have roots barbara doesn't have i mean from that you could be like she doesn't have established relationships that like she has now the benefit of with rebecca and i think that softened keely in the moment because not only was it a charming like talking point but it told her a lot about barbara yes and explained why perhaps barbara is the cold quote-unquote um version of herself though again yeah I, I thought it spoke to her pessimism <laughs> she has to be. because it, it i took that snow globe collection and she's been a, around a lot of companies that have just fucking nosedived well oh. and l- let me let me let's talk about snow globes for a second because <laughs> i'm gonna spend just a few minutes on it but i mentioned in text earlier i want to bring this up the main snow globe we see in this did anybody catch where it was from the netherlands amsterdam mm. yep did anybody notice in, in episode one when Ted is at the airport, you probably didn't because this is only something that like Ted Lasso Twitter notices. I did not notice. I saw it on Twitter, by the way. This is not something I picked up. He's standing there as he's waving goodbye to Henry. You hear over the intercom that the flight, a flight to Amsterdam has been delayed. Okay. There has been so much buzz for months about the quote unquote Amsterdam episode. What is, where is this? I've, this is the first time I've heard of this was in our chat or text the other day. Okay. When you well, said this... something about the Amsterdam episode, I was like, yes. I, or no, when you said, when is Amsterdam? And I was like, did we arrange a trip that I agreed to <laughs> in the no. last few days where I just don't remember because I've slept like That was also the total. first I've heard of it. <laughs> so, um, which is also okay. fine if we've agreed to go to Amsterdam, I'm in 100%. Okay. But. Well, so when. Ted Lasso wasn't released when everybody thought it would be, which was in like the summer, early fall of 2022. And everybody started asking questions. One of the big things, and I know we talked about it as friends, if we didn't, I know we weren't recording Lasso episodes then, right? Were we? Um, Time is not real. And a big thing at the time was like, you know, Jason's the showrunner now. They did a last minute um like location change to Amsterdam, which has delayed it. And they all went and people like there were selfies of the cast members there. There was um somebody saw Rebecca falling into a canal, like as part of the so in there was another scene that I'm not gonna like you can find it on Twitter. There was another spoiler of the season that was uncovered in this Amsterdam footage. So this whole mystique around an Amsterdam episode started. I'm like, oh my God. And I guess people who just really love Amsterdam on Twitter were like, this is going to be the best episode ever. (laughs) But let's back up for a second. Tulips, you guys, (laughs) tulips. Early, early 2000s. And I know I've talked about this before. Jason Sudeikis, Brendan Hunt are part of a comedy troupe called Boom Chicago. They are living in Amsterdam. They are broke as hell. They're performing in this thing every night. This is where um, Roy... Keen was born, the the character. 
Um, so sports Ted Lasso was born and this is why they were super broke. They were super bored. Uh, Brendan convinced Jason to pull their money together and buy a PlayStation. This is like, I don't know, 2000. Somebody can correct me on those dates. And Brendan, who's a huge soccer fan, convinces him to buy FIFA. And they played FIFA all the time while on mushrooms, legal mushrooms. It was legalized. And Brendan just ta- taught him like everything he knew about soccer. <laughs> and j- it was almost like a joke about the fact that Jason was just kind of this American who was into like basketball and football and things like that. And this whole idea about kind of the American bumpkin overseas about soccer was born. And that's where the Roy Kent character came from. He was called Roy Keane at the time. Amsterdam is a very significant city in this show. I don't know how it will play into the season, but there are definitely like confirmed shots of basically the whole cast on location in Amsterdam. And they, if you go back to that snow globe scene, the most like the only snow globe in the little shot that has like a prominent name on it is Amsterdam. It's right in the center. So we're going to learn like there's some Amsterdam thing here. I'm very excited. Okay. Sorry. That, again, I said it last episode. <laughs> this is why they pay you the big bucks because none of that was on my radar. And now I'm very excited. I know, I know. Right. we're ready, ready for Amsterdam. Ready for, <laughs> ready for the episode. Um, Jan Moss home visit. Oh yeah. Home game for Jan. Yeah. Moss. That's what I've seen about too. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Amsterdam and orange, uh, <laughs> Netherlands, they wear orange, their national team. The away kits, the orange away kits are still the best thing. Like, ah, love it. They're gorgeous. Yeah, I like them. I I, I think I like them more than the home the home jerseys. I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. Oh, no. I think I'm also biased because it was in, they wore them in my favorite episode. <laughs> Make Rebecca great again. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, also, we got a bunch of... Um, there was dialogue around the episode draft, but a lot of it was how to make Rebecca great again, not go number one overall. I was, I which I was able to say, no, I'm, I'm not a, very glad that you guys did no, not, not, not because... a me problem. I picked fourth. So yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, was able to snag that third, third overall, <laughs> because I remember recording the podcast episode about that episode and saying like, this was by far the best episode of the season. I love it. I don't know. I just, I panicked and I was like, I got to get the finale. Okay. I don't want to be dramatic. So I'm going to say something very dramatic. Um, I think that these first two episodes of season three, I think I like more than any of this season two episodes. Tell me they're they're landing the plane. Is that dramatic? You know what I mean? Like I, I've, I thought the episode started, I think there has not been a single missed cue missed beat in either episode i've watched so far or the start of the third one like well it's i think perfect i'm sorry I no i just it's a it's perfect like they've all been they've been great episodes i think like you know i talked about it a little yesterday in my column like they wanted this to be a three-act thing in three-part storytelling the second season is where the tension is it's where the conflict is it's where we're building up to like god we just want some fucking resolution right now right and you go through season one, like, oh, this is so feel good. Oh, man, I don't like yeah. Jamie, but everything's kind of okay. He's irredeemable. <laughs> I know. And then season two is like, you for some, like, we look back at season two as a unit now, but when we were going through it, we we're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, okay, so he killed a dog, and there's like, <laughs> there's a Christmas episode, and what is good? And it just, it was so much to deal with. And it was one of those things like, you're at a museum and you're standing two inches away from a painting, you can't 
really see it. Right. And yeah. you're just like, I, I know this is significant, but you know, and then it's like, oh, step back a little bit and you're in the Picasso exhibit. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And I know that just sounds like me making excuses, whatever. I think it's brilliant. Now we're in season three. They have to land the plane. They've got to close up a lot of storylines this season. Even if the show, even if the lasso verse lives on beyond this, they're ending this story now. And so I think we're so invested. We got to know how things turn out. Everything, every scene is something like we need a question answered and they're answering it. And this isn't to say like, there's still people out there that like season two sucked. This is not what I'm saying. Season two did not suck. Season two was great. Um, They've just really, they've, especially because I agree with you, Alex, where it's like you put, I put so much pressure on myself to love it because I've loved it so far. Um, It was kind of like when, season six of Shit's Creek came out the final season of Shit's Creek and you're like I have loved this show yeah for five seasons I love all of these characters and if this gets ruined it's going to be How I Met Your Mother all over again where I can never watch this again <laughs> I almost brought that up in the column I was like yeah. you think like this show's only been on for two seasons yeah and I thought about like other series like how i met your mother I mean, we were there we were devoted for Ugh. those of us who like transitioned from college to adulthood with that show especially yeah. i'm and, clearly not over it i am irate still um, and like but at the same time it's like they told the story they wanted to tell they knew how it was going to end the whole time the fact true. that a bunch of us weren't happy with it doesn't mean that they failed in their storytelling for what they wanted to do. <laughs> it just means like They're we did not accept it. We no. didn't accept it. And that's our right as well. And so, but with something that's only three seasons and with something that's so loved and so popular, that's why I wrote what I did yesterday. I said, they're going to land the plane and a lot of us may not want it to go the way it does, but I feel like we've trusted them this far. We need to trust them to tell the story. And we need to like look beyond just what we want for these individual characters and say, what's the way that the story needs to end? Ted used that mother as a baby vessel and then got with Robin anyway. God, his name was Ted. Oh my God. I, I need to do a column like comparing the Teds. He's clearly the superior Ted. Power ranking is, the Teds. Absolutely. Because he was, I mean, honestly, Ted Mosby's like the least liked character on the show <laughs> by a long shot. A, a bad Ted. Him, him and Ted Kaczynski at the bottom of the Ted's. Definitely bottom of the Ted's. One time I was on a date like more than 10 years ago and I forget what the guy did. It was something very charming and it just like this, I said this thing that I didn't really mean it the way it came out, but I was like, oh my God, you're just like Ted Mosby. <laughs> he was so offended. It was awkward. He was so right, mad that I said that. Rightfully so. That was an, an insult. Whatever. Did he call it an encyclopedia? <laughs> I loved that show so much. The episode where Barney is the perfect week is one of my favorite sitcom episodes of all time. And it has Jim Nance in it. Um, Shout out Jim. <laughs> um, is, is there anything else about this episode that works? I was like, how do I get this back on track? <laughs> let's, let's pull it on back now. <laughs> <laughs> We've, that that was how I met how I met your minute uh, how I met your mother minute. Um, what what else worked about? That? I will say opening it with the uh, the good as hell lovely day mashup was, for lack of a better word, lovely. Oh my god, so good, Excellent. so good. Also, the um, fans at the bar, my guy coming in with a yes. suit and a top hat on back in the Premier League, Love a top hat. Excellent. Love it. It was good. Um, it was good to see. It was good to see them again. I think we have now seen everyone. We have, we have gotten. 
Except, you know who really hasn't gotten any run compared to the run they got in Season 2? We haven't heard anything of substance from Sam the first two episodes. It's coming. I don't know if it is or not. Like, that's not a that's not a spoiler. But I think we all know from watching the trailer, he's going to be captain. Yeah, but how how is how is the Nigerian food going? Like the restaurant, I need some. How was his restaurant? I know. I need. I need to know if if someone at the Independent went and gave a review or something like that. So the new the new writer at the new the writer at the Independent. <laughs> um, I think we've already done the perfect TED moment of the episode, which is explaining about Hallmark movies. That's my that's my that's favorite perfect. TED moment. That's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> we are so inoffensive. We may as well be a Hallmark movie. Uh, then let's go into best time, worst time. Who's having a good time? Who's having a bad time? And that's it. This episode is Keely having a good time or a bad time. Mm-hmm. I think Keely's having a bad time. I feel like she's having a bad time. Yeah, I think like hiring Shandy though, like has lifted her spirits. She feels like she she feels she has replicated what Rebecca did for her, but she forgets that like she and Rebecca were not friends. Rebecca identified promise in her, and she delivered. And I just like, and I truly have no knowledge of, of anything. I just feel like the Shandy hire is such a bad idea. Oh, 100%. the, the thing about what is it like bringing, let's bring mimosas or something. I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried that KJPR is turning into a more well-intentioned entertainment 720 from Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> that, has, that has me worried. Ah! God, that's awesome. Detlef Shrimp is going to show Shrimp up and, and Roy like, Hibbert. <laughs> cocktail shrimp off a little shelf on the wall <laughs> incredible god now i just want to watch oh the best um, i think she's Rec. having a better time now but i i think like she's got a little ted syndrome in that whenever you go through a big life change or a breakup or something like my <laughs> response is always throw yourself in your work and change your hair dramatically <laughs> so you do these things number one to show that you've got control over something number two to be like here's a nice shiny distraction right and but at some point the distraction isn't shiny anymore and you lose your shit and then you still have bangs or a pixie cut (laughs) it was the last time i drastically changed my hair thank god was like 13 years ago i grew up but i had like longer blonde hair i was 25 i i I had i was fine i like i was okay you know and then i went through a bad breakup and I was like you know what cut it all off just cut it off and dye it brown that's what we're gonna do and boy did that not help (laughs) (laughs) it was bad they should have hairstylists like you know I've I've heard that some like tattoo parlors won't give you a tattoo if you're like too drunk they should have like um hairstylists that if you come in to do something drastic be like have you oh they do oh really (laughs) Rupert actually had a bad time, which was good. Yeah, that's always a plus. Um, I think is oh, Danny's having a Danny's great time. Having a great time. Always having a great Danny time. Danny now gets to play with his idol. Danny's <laughs> having the best time. Danny's uh, having the best. He scores a goal with his face. The Richmond fans <laughs> are having a great time. Richmond gets a point a in their in their return to the Premier League. They get Zava. They get yeah. Um, is Ted having a good time? Ted's having a better time than he was last episode. Yeah. We're just happy that Ted is on the road to healing. Yes. You know, he's still doing Dr. Sharon calls. Like, 
And I shout s- out to Dr. Sharon, who's still having a good time from episode Oh, one. Dr. Sharon's having a great time. What? Good for her. Good for- I think again, I texted though, that to the group. I was like, good for Dr. Sharon. I saw a column about season three. And one of the complaints just about episode one was like, there's not enough Ted. We don't have enough Ted. And it's like, Ted was kind of never the deal. Like Ted is obviously the star of the show, but it's like the whole brilliance of the show is he does not carry most episodes. It's what makes the show good. It's that they they have shared the ball so effectively that we are so interested in, you know, eight characters. Like we we could dive yeah. we could dive deep on a plot line, uh, probably eight to ten characters deep, and be satisfied with an episode if it focused on yeah. you know if it focused on something with like Higgins we could be we could get in on that or one of you know probably five guys on the team that we could we could get interested in like that and it's it's certainly a strength of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why you sent me that link. And I remember, like, as I watched episodes one and two, I was like, what are they talking about? I know. I just didn't make any sense. I was like, because I was like, oh, he must not be around at all. And I was like, this is a normal amount of Ted. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it's fair. Like, it's exactly the amount of Ted that I, and like I said, we started the season with him. We know he's, this whole thing's going to end with him either going home or with Henry ending up in England somehow. Because um, I don't want to just say he's going back to Kansas, but I, don't think he's going much longer without his son being nearby. So, um, Mizzou football, it's coming. I just want fucking like, I want a spinoff that's about him coaching college football. That's all I, I want. I love it, hundred percent. Yeah, that's all. I'd be, I'd be in. Um, Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. I'm, I'm in on Zava. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm in on, I'm in on that. I, I like. I like his vibe. Uh, I like the video of him stopping the robbery. So who? who oh, is, I love a good head. So I guess love a good who's in it too much is kind of like who from this. Who would you say from this show cannot be considered a supporting character? And like we can set this for the whole season. So obviously Ted, Roy, Rebecca, Keely. Yeah. Not yet. Like I don't think. I think it's it's. Ted Roy, Rebecca are the mains. I would say Keely only because Keely has a plot dedicated to her. Like she has this business going. Like we have solo sure. scenes where she is the star. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I buy that. So for this episode, um, I would say it's Zava, Higgins, or uh Trent Krim. Or Danny. Oh, I'm saying, so good this. I'm saying Trent Krim. Okay, you since you're taking him, which I also was going to be my first. Well, I was like that was my first thought, but then you just said Danny, so I'm going Danny because he he's doing great this year. Stole stole the show a few times. I'm gonna go with Zava. <laughs> the the fingers. <laughs> I just made that wish 30 seconds ago. I love him so much. I also think Caroline's um, Danny has you know, a little bit of German in it. Like <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> It's not good, guys. Can I can I blame the allergies, or is that it's it's? Just, I don't. You, you, know, you sound like the the German team from Beer Fest. Like you've got a you've got a little bit of that in there. I just made that fish. <laughs> Should have gotten Deutschmarks. Seconds ago. Thirty seconds ago. So Deutschmarks. I think Zava has some <laughs> little Aaron Rodgers vibe going on, 
and okay no i can't unsee that well it i don't mean like looks like him but i i just think his general energy like they made it a point to show he might be a diva because you know they say oh he's such a diva and he's so dramatic look at the drama i think in sports we automatically equate that to being like he's a dick and he's mean to people but i think they use the veggie dog vigilante clip and they use the way he's the way he says he's going to richmond he's like can i have the pen and he shakes his hand like he clearly he has like kind ways but he's so famous that he's just caught i mean even the premise of why he wants to be in the premier league his wife loves the british office like you know this is not so funny this isn't a jamie tart season one situation you know i think they're building that to say like we might be getting into some weird stuff he might be you know looking what does keely say in this episode we could do ayahuasca under a blood moon (laughs) (laughs) like i feel like he might have those vibes but i don't think he's a bad like fundamentally bad person. So yeah, I watched an E60 about Zlatan and uh, he did the same thing, like referred to himself in the third person a bunch. And so when I saw Zava, I was like, okay, I know what this guy's about. And I'm, I'm very intrigued to, to get more of him because they really haven't mixed it up that much in terms of, did they, did we add anyone last year, last season? Uh, we added Jan Moss. Jan Moss. Right. But like I, I would imagine Zava will be much more prele- prevalent than Jan Moss because Zava I I am assuming, and if we're getting into like any rest of season predictions, I am assuming that the addition of Zava will propel Richmond into have making a run at the top of the Premier League. So I think yes. he will be very front and center. Um we get a big chill moment in this episode. Roy getting his his standing O when he gets back to Chelsea made me feel like things that. i loved it I, you made me feel it's things. the same as rainbow i love like i love past former athletes returning to their their places where i was at a spurs game last night and michael finley was there 2014 world champion michael finley was there getting in they he came out to half court is that a, and is that a person that played? played for the spurs yeah played for the spurs played for the mavericks solid quality role player <laughs> shout out michael finley uh <laughs> that a player of game he, he was there so i i love i love moments like that shooty hoops he, he uh, took also, the basketball and he shot it and he he know. played on it he wore the jersey and stuff and all my sister only refer so when i go cover basketball or like when i was in greensboro last week for the acc tournament my sister only refers to it as slamma jamma she goes how's the slamma jamma <laughs> Like all basketball? Yes. <laughs> I love that. And she's just always, how's the slamma jamma? Um, you had some good seats last night. I did. I, you, I assume you were sitting with Jacqueline. Yes. And not. <laughs> yes. It was, it was actually me and Michael Finley. Um, well, what's funny, Kyle was going to drop the podcast the first episode at midnight because that's when the episode was It was scheduled. Call. It was good to go. It was ready to go. And then it drops hours early and which was fine. Like I texted Kyle kind of as a joke. It wasn't serious that I was like, alert, alert. They dropped it early. You should drop the pod now. And he goes, I'm at a Spurs game. I'm at Slamma <laughs> Jamma. So I'm trying to, I'm logging. So I log into the website that hosts the podcast. And when I'm logging in, I get the, your password has expired. You need to create a new one. And so I'm at, I'm in these seats trying to create a new password so I can send it live. And I, I just want to clarify for anyone who saw, I did not pay for those seats. I was given them through work. I would never pay that much to go see pretty much anything. Um, so 
I didn't have to clarify. People like yeah, I'm, geez, I'm an Ole Miss fan. <laughs> I like Ole Miss football. <laughs> you don't have to explain yeah. shit, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had I came up with with a new category. One that runs by you. I am pretty sure of the few times that I have watched uh premier league that they have like man of the match like whoever the best player of the match or something like that or like formula one driver of the day so like man of the match in this episode who 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 was the the mvp i guess of of this episode uh rebecca's outfit at the chelsea game are you serious are you the hat the the geometric slant do you understand the lines which by the way this morning on the today show she wore a dress that the principal from Abbott Elementary wore yes, she in a previous episode, and it was incredible. Like in real life, her fashion is incredible. This was amazing. I couldn't stop staring at it. Everything she does is perfect. I'm not choosing a person. the The outfit, the fit, the drip. What is my? Jack calls it. What's the riz? What's that mean? He says, like we were at his recital last night. He goes, "Oh man, look at that drip! Look at that riz!" Isn't that what everyone was saying about Shams when everyone realized that Shams was was like a good looking dude? Um, I don't know. I'm looking it up right now because I don't know if I said something. <laughs> oh my god, it's a man! It's a man's ability to impress women. <laughs> so my son is like, "Look at that man's ability to impress." Women. <laughs> So, okay, Riz does not apply to that outfit, but look at the drip. Drip applies, I think. Uh, I'm going with I'm also going with Rakan. Um, okay, questions or like predictions for the next episode? Alex has seen the next episode. Caroline has started the next episode. <laughs> I'm in the dark. So, um, my The only thing for me that I'm really trying to get answered is what happens with Trent's book? Like when he goes deeper on that and then how is Jamie going to handle another, I guess like alpha, another ACE. They now have three ACEs. Um, as we, it's too many we ghosts. found out in the, in the rounders pod, Caroline, that's pretty good hand. <laughs> that's that's a good, good hand. I, I do know that. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think many questions will be answered. <laughs> I look forward to that. Stephenson. That's the thing is, I think what was frustrating about season two for a lot of people, for one thing, I think the bottle episodes frustrated people, not just because they existed, but because of where they placed them. But again, we have to remember, like, they didn't want that season to be 12 episodes. That was the Apple machine, and they're not going to turn down money. And they didn't want to disrupt the story. So they came up with a Christmas and the beard. But I think what bothered people is, like, we had some momentum going a little bit of, like, getting deeper into Sharon and Ted's whole journey. And then they would stop it all of a sudden with these episodes that made no sense. And you're not getting that this year. And I just feel like it's, it's rolling along really well. Like it's still exposing a lot of stuff that we're like, huh, I hadn't really thought about that. But um, yeah, I think we'll find out more about all of the above. I wish we what, were getting a bottle episode with Thanksgiving. Cause I would like to have we another might. Thanksgiving type i i need something to watch on thanksgiving after the cowboys you need a new tradition i love the holidays i mean that was the thing is like with british television very normal to have a holiday special there was a do you watch the guardians of the galaxy holiday special that's on disney plus no i didn't caroline watch it how is you not so charming i don't know yeah we watched i also didn't watch werewolf by midnight either or Um, werewolf by night or but that's like, it's such a charming tradition, especially with like British shows is like, regardless of what's happening in the season, everyone's coming together to solve a little Christmas conundrum and then you're very happy. But 
I yeah, I mean they have 12 episodes. They might do some. I think they're I think they're great. I think again, season two was so much of like a lot of people did not watch season one as it came out. They were pulled into it by their friends. They watched it, they loved it, they wanted to feel good, and suddenly they had to deal with like dark and twisty things. And they were frustrated. Um I I think the only thing that I this is gonna the only thing I want from this season is I don't care if it's the biggest trope in the history of sports world stuff ever. I want them to beat the crap out of West Ham for a title. (laughs) I want I don't care if it feels predictable or lazy. I want it. I want it. I need it. I need it. Everyone wants it. I I, I I would be happy with that. Uh, Then I want Roy to put Nate's face into the grass and be like, you dork. This is what you get for being mean. Which I know sounds. I would bet my my pinky finger that will not happen. (laughs) Famous Hmm. last words. What if I had the whole season screener, Kyle? I might, I might be out of pinky finger. <laughs> um, we don't have to answer the last question of how many biscuits would you rate this episode? It's five biscuits. That's a pointless it is question always, at this point. Always five biscuits. Um, Six out of five. But yeah, we're we're two episodes in. I feel good about it. I'm I'm happy to be back talking this. Got got the band back together. Um, I'm happy that it seems like we've had a lot of. All the listeners who've reached out, like, thank you. We're we're also glad to be back. All those those nice words, people participating in the dialogue about the episodes. That's great. I want to thank everyone who has taken the listener survey, which is in the short show notes of this episode. Um, help us help us improve the show long term. That'd be great. Uh, Caroline, where can the folks follow you? You can find me at CW Darney on Twitter. Um, and over at for the win and bet for the win for all the content. And Alex, where can the folks follow you? Basically the same thing. <laughs> you just... can find her on my Twitter. That's true. I, you're on Caroline's Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex McDaniel and Instagram and all that stuff. And yeah, and for the win. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave your review if you're an Apple podcast. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash sports. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Fiend on the Farm. That's presented by Baseball America and comes out next Tuesday. For us, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.